Hello, and welcome to another Spark Hub podcast episode. In this episode, I speak with Sarita Clark, who is a mother of two, um, and specifically about her daughter Ayana, who is 10 and currently performing in Disney in Disney's The Lion King production as young Nala. How Ayana got to that opportunity at Disney is quite a compelling story and the subject of this interview. Um, so I spoke to Sarita about the, the things that sparked her, the things that led her on that journey and the opportunities that opened up. So without further ado, here is the interview about how Ayana became young Nala. And uh, I think I'll start with Sarita. Do you want to tell me the quote that you liked um, that made you think of this? Yes. Well, I saw this uh, African proverb that um, basically goes like this. A child that is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. And um, it's a proverb that I, I read and it immediately stuck a chord with me, struck a chord with me because... Um, it made me think of Ayana, my 10-year-old daughter, and the journey that we'd been on in the last, uh, really the last 18 months um, with her. And um, yeah, it, 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 really, it really hit home because it made me uh, remember, um, you know, the various milestones that we've been on. I mean, Ayana is, uh, she has recently um, being diagnosed with uh, high-functioning autism, which is um, a, well, you know what autism is, it's a kind of neurological condition um, that uh, affects the way that she interprets the world. Asperger's is what it used to be called, but really it's, it's I think they've sort of outdated that term now, and they just class it all as, as autism. So so how does that manifest, like, in a family situation? How does that manifest in a in a household, what, what, what did you notice that was a bit off, or that you suddenly went, hmm? What, as a mother, how do you deal with that? Yeah, right. well, I suppose. I mean, she was she was at uh, at the time. Ayana was at um, a all girls independent school, right? Um, and uh, it, it's a school that is a high achieving academic school um, where. Uh, they focus very, very squarely on on achievement, traditional achievement, um, and that's academic measurement, academic, academic testing, measurement, grades, testing, grades, right. um, achievement, attainment of certain standards. And um, so, as context, this was her school environment. Yeah, this was her school environment. So, um, it, you know, we we sent her to that school because we thought it's the best school that we can afford, the best school in the area, and so therefore, you know, you want to do the best that you possibly can for the child. Um, and what we noticed was that Ayana really wasn't um, particularly comfortable in that environment. And the way that manifested itself was really that she was, she just appeared to be um, very unhappy, generally unhappy. Um, she would, and, and really we noticed it more um, in the way she interacted with her friendship groups yeah. and her peers at school than anything else um so we, we we thought so you could sense this like you could just see yeah, mother's intuition absolutely we could we i could sense that she was not connecting in the way that i would expect her to connect with with her peers which other children in her class um with um you know in 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 a kind of play sense 
she just wasn't able to um, really kind of generate those kind of connections and, mm. and fr establish friendships as you would expect a child of sort of, you know, seven, eight, nine to be able to do quite um, intuitively. And those so processes weren't, weren't natural for her. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it extended beyond the school environment into park life as well, into kind of, you know, we would go to playgrounds and things like that. And she, she is a very social child. She loves to... Uh, hang out with other children. She loves to play, she loves to laugh, jump, shout, all of the things that children love to do. She loves to be involved, but she was missing the mark when it comes to actually making real connections in that mm. environment. So she was she was making noise um, and she was making um, she was making inroads to try and establish connections, but it just wasn't working. She yeah. was being rebuffed. And being, I guess, frustrated more yeah. than anything. Incredibly it sounded like she had a lot inside going on that may not have manifested in a way that she meant. Yeah. And that sounds like it sort of leads to the, you were going to make some changes or you were going to try something yeah, different. absolutely. Well, we, to we, get her out of her shell, I guess, was the other. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well we, we, looked at, we looked at different things because I think, you know, it was, she, she'd been at the same school for, for a number of years. Um, and it was really becoming apparent that the environment really wasn't working for her. So um, we thought, okay, do we look at the school environment or do we look at the child? And what we noticed was she just, she, there were things that were going on for her clearly behind the scenes that we weren't, we weren't understanding of. So um, we, we had one teacher who sort of said to us, look, um, you may want to look into having her assessed because um, there are some things that are going on for her that seem to be in interrupting her learning journey. And I don't think that this is willfulness. I think that this is something that um, is deeper than that. Mm. So I think, you know, that teacher kind of, she hit on something that I had already thought myself but had pushed it to the back of my mind because she was achieving academically and that had always been um, one of the key markers for myself in terms of is the child um, successful in inverted commas in the particular On paper. Yeah, yeah, on paper. Yeah. On paper. Because she was hitting the milestones, um, I thought the other things were a phase. She would get through it. Yeah. She would overcome it. She would finally figure out who her friendship group was and how to actually make friends, how to establish friendships and, and come out the other side of it. But this wasn't happening. Um, and she was getting more and more upset after school. We were having meltdowns happen. Um, and, uh, yeah. So we had her assessed. She went through a period of uh, sort of psychological... Uh, assessments, cognitive testing, etc. Um, and in the end, she was diagnosed with um, high-functioning autism or Asperger's syndrome. Um, and with that diagnosis came a whole lot of uh, kind of light bulb moments. Really, we we finally began to understand, began to understand, um, you know, how she how her brain worked. We began to understand um, why it was difficult for her to make friends, why she maybe um, kind of appeared on the outer circle of her uh, peer group um, and, and the things that she struggled with. And we also began to understand her natural um, affinity for certain things like music and rhythm and dance uh, and, and really anything to do with uh, physical and musical cre creativity. 
So you could actually see where, where the source... I mean, there's a story I, I told you, and I'll tell it again here. Um, it's in a video called Do Schools Kill Creativity by Sir Ken Robinson, and there's a segment where he talks about a, a mother who takes uh, her daughter to be diagnosed, and we're talking way back in the early ni- 1900s, I believe, way before all the modern and diagnostic tools in autism came along. And the doctor... Um, Basically, he, he was he was there to diagnose the daughter and say whether or not she could achieve or be academically uh, gifted. And um, the mother said, something's wrong with her, is the short version. And the doctor said, well, maybe, but give me a minute. And he said, come with me. I'm going to play the radio, and we're going to watch her without her knowing. And while the music was on, he could observe her dancing and moving in time. And he said, there's nothing wrong with her. Just take her to dance school. And of course, it could have gone a sliding doors way. They could have. They didn't. I don't think they had Ritalin back then, or any of the, the ADD or ADHD drugs. But it could have gone to that diagnosis very quickly, and then she would have been, probably uh, in those days, hit. Um, but alternately, she got put through this other door, and she became one of the choreographers for Cats and wow. Lloyd Webber. So, I, I bring that story up because of the next part of the story, which is where Ayana ultimately ended up. Which is, let's face it, she's working for Disney, the big, yeah. the big mouse of house, <laughs> mouse, house of mouse, and um, you know now we're 2022. Um, but if you think about the story I just told, um, back in those days, it wasn't as clear. And and had it not been for that radio, and not been for that doctor thinking outside the box and having an, another way to diagnose things, we we might have been, you know deprived of, of all the all the good work that came out of that person. And I'm sorry, her name escapes me, but it was a story that I, ho- I, I, I remember. But it'd be, it'd be great to hear how all of this stuff that was going on in Ayanna's life eventually led... What, what was the moment where she suddenly sort of got on a path to Disney and got on a path well, to getting into a yeah. play? I mean, well, she, she's always been... We've already, always noticed that she is a very naturally musical child. She picks up tune and replicates tune very easily, effortlessly. She sings on pitch effortlessly. Um, She mimics and mirrors dance moves. She's very physically able and she um, has always communicated very well with her body Mm. um, in in a dance sense um, and and very effortlessly. So, I mean, she she won a music scholarship at her school, which uh, was was kind of the, 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 the... the, the building blocks to all of this it was kind of one of the first steps on the ladder. Um, they launched a, a music scholarship initiative um, and they called for uh, children who played an instrument to audition um, for this scholarship opportunity that resulted in three years of free private music tuition. Ayana didn't play a musical instrument at the time. Um, the awards were open to children from year three to year six. Um, and so I just emailed the musical director and said, um, her voice is her instrument. <laughs> there you go. Can she sing yeah. for you? And he said, well, yes, you know, vocal training is, is you know, is equally valid. Um, it's worded as children who play an instrument, but bring her along. And so she did this audition and um, she was awarded the scholarship. Wow. How did so... that feel? Like, let's not skip that moment. How did it feel <laughs> to get that feedback after? Oh, it was you yeah, know. it was great. It was amazing. I mean, she she's just uh, she's a very unassuming child. She's not uh, she's not a stagey kind of kid, um, and so she just took it in a stride. And she was all awarded this scholarship. And they asked her what she what instrument she would like tuition in, and she said, "Well, I think I'd just like to continue singing." 
Wow. <laughs> so, so she told them, didn't she? Yeah, She's like, yeah. So she, she had uh, a couple of years of um, music uh, vocal tuition. Um, and, uh, and then we were sort of looking at other opportunities. She was at a dance school, performing arts school in, in Brixton called Akamasa. And uh, somebody mentioned that uh, the Lion King were running a, um, a search for children to attend the Lion King Cub Academy, which is a 10-week oh. um, training program um, whereby they select 25-ish children um, who then uh, train for 10 weeks in sort of professional singing, dancing, acting, puppetry, etc. And then at the end of that 10-week program, the 25 children then go on to audition for the roles of Simba and Nala, who are the two Lion King, um, Lion King cubs in, in the musical. What, what, did she, what did Diana know about Lion King prior to this? Did, was, did she, she ever see it on TV? Or? She'd seen the movies. Yeah. She'd seen the movies. She loved them. Um, she knew the songs. Okay. Um, she was not particularly aware of the musical, the stage musical, um, but she loved the Disney movies like most children do. So she knew the story very well. Um, and I think she wanted to be part of the process of Cub Academy. The dream of being on stage was never something that she vocalized. Um, ah, so it's, it was it was the process that she liked and the rhythm and the procedure and the protocol and the... Yeah, I think it was a chance to be amongst like-minded children, mm. which is really what the, um, what the sort of golden moment of realization for me was as a parent over the last um, sort of six to 12 months is I need to find this child um, a village that is going to embrace her. Yeah. Um, just because, like the expression. Yeah, just yeah. like just like the expression, the African proverb. Because um, I think so often in life we will our children to be embraced by everybody in all walks of life, particularly um, where they're going to spend the most time, which is typically in the school environment. Mm. We want them to be well liked within the school environment. The chances are that they're going to be happy and well-adjusted and feel good about where they are. And I think that often isn't a... Sometimes that's a luxury that isn't um, readily, readily uh, affordable to all, all children, um, particularly if they have, um, you know, certain social challenges um, and they find it a little bit more difficult to connect on a peer-to-peer -peer level. And we all know that children do best academically they're more their brain is more receptive to the learning process if they're happy overall and a lot of children's happiness is hugely dependent on acceptance by their peers yeah. so i think what the lion king journey has given ayana is it's given her that village that she is naturally embraced by um, because they have a common interest she is uh, in the Cub Academy process. She was surrounded by other children who love doing what she's doing. And so uh, they, because they all love singing, dancing, acting, puppetry, um, they're all children who um, are comfortable using their outdoor voice indoors. <laughs> um, she's comfortable, and, it's, and, and it leveled the, the spiky points of her... 
uh, interactions with other children, which mm. are those moments where, because of her uh, autism, she can miss the mark um, when it comes to forging those connections with, with peers. Um, but because she was in an environment that was incredibly theatrical, um, that layer placed a film over um, the spiky bits for her. And so she was automatically a lot more comfortable in that environment. She'd found the village that embraced her. Yeah. And prior to that, I mean, it's interesting, the indoor-outdoor voice thing. Where did that come from? Because it was it... It, uh, it strikes me that was the former life and the former school. There was there was an indoor-outdoor conundrum, and then it sounds like wherever she is now is more is the opposite. Uh, and yeah. so I'd love you to dive in on that a bit. Like, what what's the indoor-outdoor voice thing that came up? Absolutely. Well, I suppose that that's something that came from her old school, from um, the the academic the, the academic yeah. um, girls all girls independent school that she was previously at. Um, you know, she would be she would be reprimanded for using her outdoor voice inside, and that may be something as as you know basic as singing in the corridors. Oh wow! Or um, you know, queuing up for for lunch in the cafeteria, and you know, playing out an acting scene from a movie or um, something like that. So I suppose you know she it, it was an environment that. Although it was nurturing in some ways academically, um, for Ayana it was really like pushing a square peg into a round hole. Yeah, it and, sounds like know, it. Yeah, it's, 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 it can be a bruising experience for a child and for a family. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm stuck on this point where it, it occurs to me, it, it almost seems maybe that violence the wrong word, but heavy-handed is certainly the right word, to use even terms like indoor-outdoor voice. I never distinguished them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've never had the, that point in my life where I go, oh, there's an indoor and an outdoor voice. I appreciate it. You could be shouting in an outdoor space and whispering, it, but it never occurred to me you could label them as indoor and outdoor voices. So it must have been hard for someone like Ayana, who maybe is a bit more protocol-driven, to, to differentiate, because to her, I guess, she had made no distinction. So in her new school, she can sing in the hallway. Is yes, that right? And it's exactly. Fact- well, I think, you know, the indoor-outdoor voice um, scenario is, is, is very emblematic of um, sometimes children on the autistic spectrum uh, have, have trouble sort of um, distinguishing um, appropriate behavior from inappropriate behavior. And, and, and I'm talking about kind of just, just sort of low-level... Um, you know, kind of expectations mm. in a certain Cues and space. stuff, I imagine, yeah. and things like that, yeah. Absolutely. Cues and expectations of, of you know, behavioural expectations in a certain space. So, you know, some schools and environments are going to be a lot more rigid and um, protocol-driven on that kind of thing and less relaxed than others. And, yeah, take, going back to your point, um, she's now in an environment where she is at a, at a mixed state school. Um, so, hold on, she's gone from a... An academically high-achieving paid environment. Yes. And she's now in a state-funded school, but she's blossoming yeah. way more than she Absolutely. was in the... Yeah, it's sort of counterintuitive. If you think money can buy education, but it strikes me that maybe that's not the case, that the state school is a better environment for her, and yeah. she can use her outdoor voice there. Absolutely. She can use her outdoor voice whenever she likes at the school that she's at now. So it's, it's, a, it's a regular um, state-funded mixed school um, and 
yeah, being a mixed school, state funded, they draw from the surrounding area. Mm. Um, so There's a lot more diversity and variety. And absolutely. Uh, you know, there's a lot more diversity um, in every sense of the word, cultural diversity, um, diversity of thought, um, diversity of styles of learning. Um, and it is it is a mixed environment. So she's with boys and girls. So Oh, she was all girls before, that's she right. She was all okay. girls before. Yeah, wow. so it's, I mean, it's an environment where she feels less spotlighted um, for perhaps the wrong reasons, in inverted commas. Mm, so her outdoor voice. Exactly. The loud exactly. one, the loud one in the, in the quiet library, I can <laughs> yeah. just imagine it. So, all right, jump me forward now. So this has all been a wonderful journey. It's taken about a year, 18 months, you said, to get here. And now she's performing as Nala in Lion King, and she's on tour, and she's one of, a, I guess, a troop of children. And so just walk me through the past few weeks of what's that like now that she's graduated? What, what does life look like for her and you and, and your younger daughter who has to obviously tag along to all these things? What's, I mean, that's a big change in 18 months. It is a big change. It's a big change. It's a positive change. Um, and it is, it is a wild ride. Um, I mean, she is, yeah, she's, she's young Nala in The Lion King. She um, is a stage kid. She has a performance license. She um, attends school part-time. Uh, and uh, she travels up and down the country um, on and off and, and is on stage one week and at school the following week, then on stage the, the next week. Oh, wow. Week. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a lot of flipping of schedules, um, a lot of management of schedules. But I think for Ayana... Um, what it's done is it's really um, boosted her sense of self mm. um, and it's made her uh, grow up very quickly um, in terms of a, a, a real sort of boost in, in her independence. Um, she travels without her parents. What, and she's 10? She's 10. She travels wow. with, a, with a chaperone. Um, and she, you know, stays in a hotel on her own um, with a, with a roommate um, because the children share the role of Nala, so she's of always with, a, with another Nala. Um, but it's it's also um, really kind of guided her to be able to advocate for herself in the absence of, of adults who know her. And that is a huge step, particularly for for any ten year old, but particularly for um, one who is uh, who is on the autistic spectrum, mm. um, because she needs to be able to communicate what she wants and needs at any given time. And she's taken great leaps um, in that area over the last three months since she's been given this role. Wow. Um, but it's all been done um, against the backdrop of being amongst people who love what she loves. Yeah. And it's been the greatest leveler in terms of her challenges because uh, everything that she does, her rehearsing, her performance, her, um, her training um, and the experience is kind of filtered through... Um, the village of people that she's now with. She's with um, professionals in the musical theatre community um, and th that, is, that is the number one um, thread that joins her to her village of people uh, in The Lion King and, and it's been a wonderful experience for her from that, from that perspective. And so going back to your um, proverb, could, would it be conceivable that had all this not happened, that had she not found the village to the, 
to your point, it could have burnt down or it could have gone the other way. It could have been negative or she could have gone dark uh, or had darker thoughts. It strikes me that's the point of the proverb. And, and it sounds like, thankfully, she found a light path and an exhilarating path, but it, it, it could equally have been frustrating had she stayed in the indoor environment, the indoor voice environment. Um, it probably would have got worse, I would have thought, but it sounds like, thankfully, you averted all that. Yeah, I, th- I think definitely it, it, it could have gotten worse, and I think, I think it, it's a matter of looking at the situation through the child's eyes and figuring out the, the puzzle of support pieces that need to be put in place around that child according to how they really are, mm. not how... What signals they're sending you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it, what signals are, uh, they're sending you. And I think it's about being completely open um, to how those signals are going to land. You have to be completely open to them and complete... And it's, it's a place of vulnerability because as a parent, you want your child to be as... Um, as accepted as possible. And I think going back to the proverb, the proverb is um, about a child not being embraced by the village and um, therefore wanting to burn it down to feel its warmth. I think it's also about um, finding a village that will embrace your child. It's not necessarily about making the village embrace your child. Because no group of people owes your child anything. But I think it's being um, confident and comfortable enough to walk away from the village on the hill that looks really nice and glossy and, um, you know, an appealing place to be and listening to the child um, who is essentially going to be telling you in, your own, in their own way, um, you know, who their village is. Yeah. Uh, it, you can't ignore it. I think I've always said as a parent when I speak, meet people who don't have children, I say it's, it's, it's like going to the casino. You don't know what dice you're going to, you know, how they're going to, children are come out, their personalities, and I have two, as you do, and they're completely different. Um, and you, as you say, you have to listen more than you speak. Um, but it's amazing that you change the environment, and I think it's, it's true. It takes a village to raise a child, is, is the other proverb, but this one sounds better because if, you know, you do need to, to change things. And, and I think ultimately, trust your gut. Yeah. And sometimes your head and heart are going to be in constant debate, but you have to, you have an instinct for a reason, yeah. you know? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I, think, I think the only other thing I will add is that, um, you know, one of the things that I've really, or we have as, as a family really benefited from over the last 12 months is this whole kind of embracing the idea of sideways growth mm. and not actually just looking at, you know, our children as you know we must be bigger better faster stronger more intelligent um, you know that than the next child um, but more so looking at how um, you know how we can grow in different ways that aren't necessarily driven by um, you know traditional markers of success yeah. and I think that's that's one of the things that has helped Ayana on her journey as well as a kind of relaxing of the rules as it were um, in terms of growth um, and looking at and looking at her as a person um, who is a person a, a little person who has strong interests and leaning on those interests as as pinch points and recognizing that um, the vertical growth is is almost needs to be needs to be thought of as secondary to mm. the horizontal growth because yep. once the horizontal growth is there they have a much 
firm a platform um, through which they can build that vertical growth, which is the traditional milestones of attainment that whether we like it or not, we all have to kind of have as part of our lives somewhere. Yeah. Um, but without that kind of um, strong uh, backdrop of horizontal growth, it's more difficult for children, particularly in this day and age. So It's so funny because that concept of horizontal and vertical is what I, in my day job, I talk about in marketing. Mm-hmm. And there's a foundation level of stuff you can't ignore that if you don't have the foundation, everything else falls over. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting to hear you use that in a context of a child, that they have horizontal and vertical growth opportunities. But you're right. They have to, for, for the trend to go in the right direction and not go negative, it has to be horizontal, vertical steps. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for joining today. appreciate your time and appreciate the story. Thanks and, for uh, having me. It's been, a great, it's been a great chat. All right. See you soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. Uh, If you like what you hear, you can dive into a lot more on thesparkhub.com.